Hey everybody, this is Mike Rensman at Red Summit Productions. This is our first episode of our podcast, Production Therapy, and we are in the headquarters of Red Summit on 25th and Broadway, and we have the whole team here in the room. We have Luke Berman, our production manager. Hi there. We have Jamie Ryan, our intern from Northeastern. Howdy. And Ruthie LeMay, our second intern from Northeastern University. Hello. And we're going to get started. Passing it off to Luke. Mr. Berman, what do you have for me? Hi there. So, Mike, we're going to chat a little bit about you and this podcast and our company and how we got here and where we're going. Cool. You ready? I am. Let's do it. Uh, so you already did me the, the justice of introducing yourself so we can move right along. Um, what would you say is the purpose of production therapy in this podcast and what you want to do with it? Yeah, so production therapy is the the last title that we had of of 100 different titles. Always wanted to do a podcast because we work with really talented interns. We have two interns from Northeastern every six months. And the whole idea behind the internship is to learn about our small business, production, um, being on set, cameras, audio, um, writing, editing, all those type of things. So um, a couple years ago when I first started having interns, at Northeastern, we would have freelancers come in and just kind of talk about what they did. And then it kind of involved into, well, if we're going to have freelancers coming in to talk about what they're doing, we should record it. And, you know, that's really the, the, the whole goal behind production therapy is just get freelancers in, talk about their path, what they've done. And it's kind of, it's helpful. You like, you know, at the end of it, you feel like it's a therapy session in a, in a good way. Totally. And I mean... Uh, just speaking from experience, uh, I know that obviously the entertainment industry and media production is so popular, it's a really competitive industry, but um, you don't always hear how people sort of wiggle their way in, and you know that there's all these professionals, but you don't always know what everybody does. Um, and so I think that's really great to sort of put a spotlight on those freelancers. Um, so can you give our listeners a little bit of a taste of who's to come in terms of the interviews that we're doing? Yeah, so we have, you know, our our freelance base that we work with, it's a lot of DPs, cam ops, audio, prop stylists, food stylists, editors, animators. Um, so, you know, we want to have, those are the people that we want to come in. All the, the freelancers that we work with on a daily basis that we're friends with and kind of and, and learn from them. So we have... Um, uh, some of our favorite audio engineers, some of our favorite cam ops, um, some kind of, um, you know, internet influencers or, or chefs that we want to work with. Um, just really just, you know, friends that we're, we're always working with. But, um, you know, we're, we, we also want to get some freelancers in here that we haven't ever met, but it's a field that we want to know more about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I mean, if you're, if you're someone who's listening and... Uh, that sounds like something that you might want to do one day, especially if you're a younger person, then you're in the right place. <laughs> yeah. And you know, it, it's, it's kind of all things that we know, but sometimes we don't get to say out loud to other people. Mm-hmm. You know, we've all gone to, you know, different schools. We've all taken different paths and it's nice to just kind of share it. And you know, the pros and cons of the whole path, you know, that's the idea behind it. Great. Um, so let's talk about you a little bit sure. in that path, in the same vein. Um, so your title here, uh, DP, executive producer, uh, small business owner, entrepreneur, what, what feels most comfortable to you? 
Um, I always tell people I'm a freelancer at heart. You know, I'm a I'm a, a cameraman at heart, and the roles have changed over the years at the company, which I welcome and it's great. Um, but you know, I always consider myself kind of um, you know in the trenches with freelancers. But um, you know, when I started ten years ago, this will be our ten year anniversary of Red Summit from a DBA LLC to S Corp, but but a, a formal company of ten years. And you know, I started as a PA. Um, the company started when I was a cam op, and you know I consider myself a director of photography, executive producer, um, but still have that freelancer heart. Great. And so, kind of in that vein, do you want to talk about uh, your your beginnings, how you got your start? Yeah, I was at Northeastern until two thousand three, um, and while I was there, I was in communications. I was a business minor. Um, I was always playing with cameras, uh, something that my parents would always um, would supply, you know, Christmas time or a birthday, I would get uh, a VHS or um, a Hi8, you know, camcorder. So when I was at Northeastern, I was always filming my friends and learning on um, uh, Final Cut. No, it was iMovie um, for for all, for most of Northeastern. So I don't know. I thought it was it was a lot of fun, and I didn't get to really play with cameras when I was at Northeastern um, during the day. It was weird. I didn't really find many classes that offered it. So my co-op was at Boston Neighborhood Network. Um, where they had studio cameras, so I would use those. And then I worked in Dorchester at WB11. They had studio cameras, so I kind of a little bit of you know playing around with those kind of cameras. But the Northeastern show that I did was uh, was the best because that's when we had a crew, we had editors, and we had we had people putting everything together. It was a lot of fun. Um, and then when I got out of school, I wanted to move to the city right away. One of my roommates at Northeastern had an apartment, needed someone to room. Um, so I um, moved with him down to 29th and 1st, and for a couple of years I worked at an advertising company just to pay the bills and be in the city, but I didn't get into my first TV job until 2005, a couple of years after I got out um, as a PA on the Martha Stewart show, and that was the best. That was awesome. I was in the control room as a PA, getting eight coffees in the morning on the live days, driving around the city in a van, getting flowers and props. Um, driving to her house and picking up her uh, Martha and her her pets, you know, just like just running around the city as you know a twenty two year old twenty three year old kid with other PAs my age it was so much fun. Um, but the best experience of that is I, I was able to do some B roll for one of the um, one of the segments. It was very simple. It was a professional balloon maker, and we he was in the conference room blowing up balloons. They needed footage of him before the show aired. So I filmed him blowing up some balloons and making puppies and swords. And then uh, I saw it air, and that was the first time I, I saw something that I filmed go live on TV, and I was, I was blown away. I thought it was so cool. Um, so I stayed from, I, I loved the field department. I stayed in the field department with Martha. And then a good buddy of mine went over to uh, the Rachel Ray show, and he got me a job over there, my buddy Ian Cohen. And, um, I was an associate producer over there for two years, and that was where I really learned how to light and film. The um, the I was a I was a staffer, so I was there all day long. Any shoot that they had, I would go on, and I would be I'd be paired up with uh, a paid freelancer DP and audio guy. And so um, Dom and Sorrell, who were the main guys over there, um, you know, taught me how to light, taught me how to film, I and mean, they were stuck with this kid that. <laughs> had to be their B camera or C camera, so they're like, "Well, he's stuck with me. I might as well teach him something." 
And I learned a lot from those guys. And uh, that was two years. Um, and it was time to move on. And I went to um, some freelance jobs um, and then MTV for a couple years in, uh, in documentaries. And then in 2009 is, was kind of when I started this. Yeah, so I was definitely bounced around for a few years in different companies. Can you tell me more about Martha's Pets? Yes, they, um, yeah, Martha, and I would, I will say that working at the Martha Stewart show was one of the best experiences that I ever had. Her set goes down, in my mind, as one of the best sets that I've ever seen, just the, the amount of detail. Uh, and I'm straying from your question, but I will get back. No, just because every, the, the, the whole theme is that, you know, everything that Martha and her team does is A+. Plus. Meticulous. Meticulous. Um, and I helped build the chairs of the set for the studio. Um, the studio audience, all the PAs got together and, and, and put the chairs together. But so if it's and so her pets are, which you know, were treated like um, talent and crew. I mean, they were just always, you know, um, a part of the show. Yeah, it was great. I would, you know, any anytime you tell a, a young kid, you know, that he can drive and uh, by himself in a van for an hour somewhere. They're like awesome, you know, it's just free time and it's somewhere to go. But I would drive to her house. Um, sometimes I would um, pick up the the pets and the, the dog handler and bring them to set, or I would bring them back home, so to speak. And it was cool. Her house was awesome. You know, she has uh, a stable with you know beautiful horses inside and her gardens. Everything's amazing there. But um, yeah, no, it was fun. It was cool. It was all part of the experience. You know, it doesn't matter what you're doing. I mean, the 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 Martha Stewart show was. Um, one of the was just a great learning experience of just how things should be done with careful thought and planning, like everything that they did, that it was well thought out. It was cool. Great. Um, so turning back to Red Summit, um, how was you know you starting your own company? How was that born, and what did it look like in the very very early days? Um, so ten years ago, when I was when I wanted to transition, I had to transition to, to a company. I was getting enough work where people were asking for um, proof of a company. To, you know, So any freelancer that wants to jump from the freelancing world of just Mike Krenzman to the next thing, you, just, you can do a DBA. Or you can do, you know, the next level would be LLC, S-Corp, or, you know, or one of those levels. But um, to get more work, um, I, I was told and I felt that I had to become a company. And it wasn't that expensive. You know, I looked into it and I had a, a family friend that was an accountant that helped me with it. Um, you know, a couple thousand dollars to do the permitting and you have to publish your company and set yourself up with the state. But I remember sitting outside um, City Hall downtown Bowling Green and I had listed out on a notebook all the different names that I wanted of the company. And I was crossing them off and I was calling last minute to you know some of my friends and my mom like what do I want this to be thinking that this was the only company that I was ever gonna make in my entire life that's how serious I took it um, and then I settled on Red Summit which was a, a thumbs up from a lot of my friends and family um, and it's it's a very deep deep uh, thought process type conclusion of it being my favorite color my favorite word um, but it was kind, it was just silly enough and just serious enough but in hindsight, I probably would make a shorter one because to type it out. Um, RSP. R, right. Ryan Seacrest Productions. <laughs> a, little, a little bit more important. Um, but no, the, the process was I, I knew I needed to become more professional. Mm -hmm. 
And my friend's been just um, without a company, wasn't working, so uh, DBA was the next step, and I went down City Hall and did that. And if you don't mind, how old were you when that all happened? I was uh, 28, okay. 28, 29. You feel like that was the appropriate time to, um, to make that move? I think so. For me, it felt... Uh, it felt organic. It felt like the right time. Mm-hmm. I felt like I did enough daytime TV. I did four straight seasons. Um, I felt like I stayed long enough, made great contacts, le- left on good terms. Um, I did enough of the bouncing around TV shows for a bit. Um, I worked, you know, on documentaries for just long enough, where I felt, you know, I, I put in enough and I wasn't staying longer than I should have, and then. I knew the bigger picture was to, to be some sort of company. So yeah, I think it felt right for me at that time. I'm going to look to Ruthie for this one, but are you uh, familiar with the concept of the return to Saturn in astrology? I am not. This is a little hokey for, for, no, uh, I like for it. us, but uh, it's basically um, essentially around that age of like 27 to 30, um, the universe more or less, uh, if you're not on the right path, it will come in and completely mess up your life uh, in order to put you on the right path. I like Is that, that more or less it? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> it's um, it's like an all roads lead to Rome kind of thing. Yeah. But like, sometimes you gotta destroy the bad road. Yeah. <laughs> and you have to take, take another one. So a lot of people go through a time of like tumultuous change around the time they're 28. Mm-hmm. And it can, um, usually there's, you know, some really hard times but leads to something good. Yeah. Um, and that like sounds that. like a pretty tremendous change. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, in addition, um, I'd say even even larger, more important is that's when I met Maria, mm. you know, my wife, mm-hmm. and that was the I met her when I was working at the Rachel Ray show on a shoot um, with Laura, um, Jimmy, Dom, uh, were the were the freelancers and the in the staff at Rachel at the time. But um, yeah, that was in when I was 28, 28, 29. Yeah. So a lot happened right then. That's so yeah. I met her, and that was also my last season at Rachel Ray. Mm. And so, looking back over the past almost decade now, uh, what are sort of like the different phases of Red Summit? And I mean, we can talk about where it is now mm-hmm. uh, at the end. But. Yeah, no, that's there, there. There's definitely phases to it. I even say that you know I, I'm a big believer in phases of life and phases of living in New York City. You know, depending if you're single or dating. You know um, what kind of job you have, where you are in life. I think the city accommodates that. But I'd say with Red Summit, um, when I got started, I all I wanted to do was work on travel shows and just bounce around because I was coming off of the MTV True Life series where I was constantly traveling the U.S. with by myself or with one other person. So the early stages was just trying to latch on to some DPs to get work, mm-hmm. and so I was ACing for some DPs to learn their process and get into their circle. Um, I had to buy my first camera on a credit card for 5000 at B&H, not knowing if it was going to go out on rent or not, which hindsight is um, is funny to think about, you know, just how much money, you know, cameras are now. But, yeah, so it was, the phase was just, I my goal was always to make at least $1,000 a week. You know, I just it's just a number I threw out there. It was a number I was kind of making, at Rachel and, and MTV that I was able to live off it. So I was like, all right, if I'm on my own and I have no money coming in steadily paycheck wise, if I can pick up a, a job or two a week and make a thousand dollars or a couple jobs that add up to a thousand, I'm good. And I would always keep that in my head. So if I didn't work one week, I'm like, all right, shit, 
Now I have to try and double that on the next week or try and make it up somewhere. So I think that's how I kind of get my, I got my head wrapped around making money is setting a goal of how much money I should try and make a week so I can pay rent. And, and, and I was single, well, kind of single at that time. But even with Maria, just enough money to get by for the things I needed to do. This is before you had kids too. So that's Wait, yeah, that whole yeah. different story now, yeah. That thousand's way out the way out the window, but um, yeah, I set I set goals not really knowing that that was my drive. Was was I need to make money it has to be at least a thousand bucks. And so, I guess, what would you say was the next phase after that? Like, um, kind of moving more to staffing uh, shoots, or like when I guess did you become an official DP? Um, yeah, it's funny. I think. The a lot of us will say you know we 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 still don't feel like a DP. We're always cam ops, you know. It depends what kind of job you're working on to call yourself DP. But no, I I went from kind of working by myself, and then I was able to build good relationships with some of these companies where they wanted a couple extra people with me, and I didn't really I've never done that before. So I had to bring other cam ops with me or audio, and then it turned into something a little bit larger where. I had to have more insurance. I had to have more workers' comp, more liability. So went back to the drawing board, and I, I had to get I had to spend more money with, with um, the more the um, the insurance company. But that just kind of happened on its own. I mean, um, most jobs were E and G, just camera and audio. But then it was like, all right, well, we have we need another cam op to do this, or we need an editor to do this. And I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. I can I can get these people, and I enjoyed asking my friends because. I knew I had to make a certain amount of money, so if I was asked to bring more people, I was like, oh, well, I know that this guy isn't working this week, so this is perfect. He can come work with me, and we're, we're, we're buddies, so now we're both working. And so that was really just a, a very simple way of thinking of let's get my friends working too. Mm-hmm. And um, on like a remedial level, for those who might not know, can you kind of explain uh, the difference in the levels from like AC, cam op, DP? Yeah. So if we were, um, if a client needs something filmed and it's, um, if it's pretty straightforward filming, just, you know, a talking head type interview of an executive, um, you know, that's just a basic ENG crew where it's, um, you know, a cam, you know, a camera person, camera, audio. And if it's a larger shoot, we have a lot of equipment, you'd have an assistant camera and AC. So a lot of people, um, will become RPA. And then from a PA, if they like the camera route, the traditional thing is to become an AC. So that is you set up the tripod right away for your cam op. You um, put the you take the camera out, build it if you need to. Um, make sure that the batteries are charged and in place, and the cards are there. Um, clean lens, and then you're really just tagging along with the cam op all day to make sure that they have cards, batteries, and just carrying the tripod around. That's how a lot of us got started as an AC, and you latch on to a cam op or a DP to learn their process, and then eventually become a cam op. Um, there's really a, there's a gray area between cam op and DP. DP in the traditional sense is more commercial, um, a lot more responsibility. A lot of DPs don't even uh, mo- some DPs don't even use the camera. It's really just you know you set the look, you set the feel, and you have a cam op do it for you. But in the circle I'm in, that's not really the case most of the time. It's a DP as you are filming. Um, and then it's just a, a, a price structure. DP is usually the main cam op, main camera person, and then below that is the title cam op. 
Yeah, I feel like it makes it's very easy to sort of differentiate on a particular job, like on set, who's you know a director of photography versus just a camera op. But like, uh, you know, day to day, kind of knowing what a person is, that's where sort of the yeah. gray area really comes in. Yeah, it also comes down to lighting. I mean, we're all supposed to know how to light whatever interview we're in or whatever subject we're in. So a DP is the one that sets the lighting as well, and then everyone everything else kind of falls in 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 line from there. Yeah. yeah. Um, so shifting back to sort of the company history, um, I've only been with you here for about a year, uh, and I've already seen tremendous growth, but even just hearing you describe sort of some of the earlier stuff, I can tell that when I came on, it's very, it was, it's very, it was very different even just a year ago from everything that you're describing. So how would you say that it got to that point? And then um, we can talk a little bit about, you know, everything that's happened since I started. Yeah, I think a lot of it is growing pains, and you can you can get so far by yourself, and then you have to reach out and you know take take the the risk or just be willing to grow. Um, I so go, getting to where you know where where you are and where the interns are, um, you know, aside from trying to find work and and film, I'm also trying to grow the business, and that's something that I've been doing, you know, since I started and how do, you know, how do we do that? I didn't, I, I wish I had a, a master's in business and I took more business classes just so I can understand that side of it. Um, a good friend of mine, when I was at Martha Stewart, he was in charge of all the um, affiliates in the TV networks and promotions, um, a buddy of mine named Roger. And he would always say that there's, um, there's the business of the show that a lot of people forget. Like everyone loves being on set and everyone loves the idea of going and filming these things, but there's a the whole business side, and he's like, "You make sure you learn that." So you know, I'm I'm constantly trying to learn that. But to grow, we needed um, I definitely needed help, um, and so the first route I went was Northeastern. Yeah, um, about that. I uh, you know I went to Northeastern in Boston. I loved it. I was there for five years. I took advantage of the co-op program, and I know how hard it is for students when they graduate to get a job if they haven't worked anywhere. It's a little strange of how do you pitch yourself if you don't have a resume? Northeastern does a great job of, of allowing the students to go out and you know get the work. So I had always had a good relationship keeping in contact with Northeastern, and so I just I took them up on it, and um, and set up Red Summit with Northeastern, and I got um, my first intern, my, uh, Liam O'Donnell, a couple of years ago, and you know he was a rock star, and I just I saw how much we could do with one extra person. And then so um, from there, I kept, uh, I, you know, every six months we would get interns. Um, but then I needed someone on staff to kind of help um, keep things organized and and keep the, the clients happy and keep everything up to date. And that's where you come in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so what kind of made you draw the line between I need, you know, someone on staff versus I can, you know, do this with interns? Um, because I can only imagine what it was like. Uh, yeah, well, six the interns are gone in six months. So, yeah. um, you know, Jamie and Ruthie, who are rock stars here, you know, we're in an awesome groove, and they're going to be, you know, they're done at the end of June, and that's and that's great. We, you know, we're we're we we want to teach them and them to learn as much as we can. But I feel like we're like such a like a succinct group right now. Um, so I've gone through a few cycles where interns come and go, and I needed I really needed someone that understood the business. And knew that you know it in in six months, unless they wanted to quit, they're still gonna be here and keep going. And I needed someone on staff because I was, 
not big mistakes where you know we lost money or the or I lost a client, but little little mistakes, little hiccups that if I had more help wouldn't happen. Mm-hmm. And so, almost before a big mistake happened um, or a big issue happened with a client, you know, I wanted someone full time, which is why you know I hired and you know I need you know uh, you pass flying colors, but <laughs> no, amazing having you here. But I didn't want to run into those problems. Yeah. Just like we have an office now because I was at WeWork without an office and we have external hard drives with footage. And so it just did all those things. I just needed to just have a, a, a place to put everything. And I needed someone to help me where they knew where everything was in a larger scale. I would ask you coming into, you know, eight months ago you started kind of like what were some of your, you know, early thoughts of everything that were going on here and where we are now. It's funny, I do think that so much has already changed in the... I say you wince a little bit. <laughs> um, <laughs> I promise it's a good funny. Um, no, so much has already changed, even just like the, the change in offices and, um, you know, being able to really own the intern cycle. Because when I came in, it was... Um, this is boring for anyone who, you know, wasn't here at the time. But, uh, um, you know, starting with Jamie and Ruthie here... Um, it's, it's been kind of interesting to see how much goes into, um, you know, running a company and even just like little things that legitimize us, uh, like an office or, you know, yeah. having a place to, you know, entertain clients. Um, and I mean, I think that when I uh, applied to this job, it was after, you know, a summer of get you know, having some things that sort of fell through and then... Um, I like saw this listing and I was just so frustrated. I'm just like, I'm going to email everyone at that company. And I, I emailed Maria. <laughs> yeah. Um, yep. And I guess it worked. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah, she was helping me. Uh, but yeah, so I guess... And she came in and she interviewed. And I remember that. Yeah, yeah she came in for uh, for your interview. Yeah, my first like, interview. Like, I really like this guy, Luke. So. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so where, where do you see Red Summit going from here? I am just so excited to. I, I'm just excited of where it's going to go. The the eight months with having you here, so much has changed, and it's been very helpful. We're we're very we're organized. I feel like we're coming up with our company DNA, which we've been talking mm-hmm. about. Um, I don't. I know that I would like to. Um, I like to grow the company and, and and get one or two more people in 2019 if I can. That's that's a goal I have. At least one more person. And um, and work and work more with clients on the on the front end before we get to filming. Mm-hmm. I think that we do a great job with project managing and getting things organized. I think that's something we learned over the past eight months working together and with the right. team. So um, yeah, I want to um, definitely want to work more with clients on, on pre production. Uh, we, and we've we 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 know that there's um, a lot of posts that goes into it, but I'm excited that we're doing our first animation project mm. with uh, with uh, Mount Sinai, and illustration animation. You know, it's something that we're doing. So I'm just excited. I don't, you know, the crystal ball. I'm not sure what it is, but I just I love the energy that we have right now. Yeah. After I said that, I was like, that answer changes every day. But I feel like that's the most consistent part of it. What you yeah. just what you just mentioned. Um, so, Mike, what would you tell yourself at 21, fresh out of college? It would be hard to uh, it would hard to be taken in because everyone is, is stubborn and they know everything. And I, you know, I was excited to move to the city. I would say, um, you know, enjoy the process. That um, as long as you're enjoying what you're doing, then things are going to work out. 
Um, but definitely enjoy the shoot that you're on. You know, the whole point of, 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 of Red Summit and me being a freelancer and a cameraman is to get on set. And so don't stress about the next job when you're on set, I think, and just enjoy it. Um, you know, I'm having, after 10 years, I'm still having so much fun. I love when I get that email from a client that I haven't heard from or a new client saying, hey, I got your name from so-and-so. We have something come up in a week. I love that feeling of not knowing what the project is, but I love the feeling that I'm going to be on set with them at some point, and it's the best. So I would, um, I would tell myself just to enjoy the shoots because as long as you're having fun, more will come. Great. I'm really proud of you guys. I'm sitting here like, like, like you guys talking about, um, you know, like, like I don't know. I feel like it's hitting me how real this, this is. A real establishment. Yeah, you've come We're so like far. <laughs> We're doing it. That was one of our first quotes of the day. Back. <laughs> um, you know, just, just really hit me that you've been through everything that we were like going through and about to go through even more it's just like really now you're a, a real adult with a real family making your money with a real company and it's just hitting me like a like a brick that that you have worked really hard to, to make this place your own and i'm really just just proud and impressed oh, and grateful that. and you being like i'm, I'm <laughs> emailing these people I'm going to get this job. <laughs> and to hear, I didn't know that Maria reported to you like, oh, I really like this guy, Luke. That was so nice to hear. I was just like, wow, you go, Luke. Yep, she, impression with she came in yeah, so amazing. and did so, the final interview with Luke. She's like, I love him. So amazing. Mm-hmm. So, no, I appreciate you saying that. I think it's, um, that's one thing that kind of gets lost with freelancers is that when, when someone's asking someone to work or everyone is out there working is that most of us don't have a set job next next week you know i um i always say this when i go back to northeastern that you know we have a we have a company that we live and breathe and we work with a lot of people um but we don't have a paycheck coming in every every week we don't have a we don't have a steady flow so you know you have to stay positive you have to really love what you do if you don't if you don't know what you're doing next week um, and that's a lot of us. That's a lot of freelancers. So, you know, I just, you know, it's, it's, I love I love the production world and I love filming. It's fun. It's tough, but it's fun. Great. Any uh, any final messages for our... As a whole adult uh, older than us. As a whole adult, <laughs> yeah. No, I'm excited for the podcast. I'm excited to get our friends in. I'm excited to get freelancers in. Um, it's we it's it's the advantage for us is we get to have them come by and chat before we even do the podcast and goof around a little bit but it's also nice to just to record it and for our current interns and future interns to to learn something about people's paths and that's that's what's important is when you're out of school or even what you're doing right now is one job one phone call one opportunity can change that path just have to be open to it 